This story uh, is part of the drama of Samuel's early life. It's his origin story. If this was a superhero movie, this is this is where he would get bitten by the spider, the radioactive spider, or this is where, uh, you know, something magically would transform him into the person that he will be. But the word of the Lord is not coming in these days. It is rare in these days. And it's hard to know what this means because we might say that about our day. Um, Most of us don't have experiences like this all the time. We don't lay down at night and hear a voice calling for us. Um, Maybe we do sometimes, but by and large, um, the voices we might hear are sort of in our own mind or in our own heart um, or things people have said to us. But this is clearly a, a voice from somewhere else calling his name, Samuel, Samuel. Um, and it, it's so startling and so vivid that he gets up and tries to figure out where the voice is coming from. Um, that is pretty vivid. Um, as C.S. Lewis famously said, or maybe, I don't know if it's famous or not, but it stuck with me anyway when he said, um, people often mistake a dream for a vision, but they never mistake a vision for a dream. When there's a direct message from God, most people know it, or at least that's how they describe it later. They say, yes, I knew eventually this was God talking to me. Does God really talk to people? Um, It's hard to know. It's hard to know for sure. You can't measure this scientifically. You can't um, prove it. You can only share the stories that you have or listen to the stories that people have. And, you know, I've heard a lot of stories of people hearing God speak to them. Often in times of profound distress, like in the story of Samuel, often in times of crisis, in times of great emotional turmoil, uh, those are the times it seems that um, people often have experiences where they feel that God is speaking to them. And so it is with Samuel. That is what he is experiencing here. The voice is calling his name. There's nothing like our names when someone knows it and calls us by our name. That is what we know to be a relationship when someone uses our name to to address us. That means there's a familiarity there. And so God is familiar with Samuel, even though Samuel is not familiar with God. Even though Samuel has served as a, an officer in this sacrificial system there in the temple, he is a worker there as a child. He's responsible for, I'm sure, all sorts of things. And he's responsible for Eli. You can see in this exchange here that he goes right to Eli. And Eli gives him some mentorship and guidance. He shares with him, um, tells him to go, go lay down. I didn't call you. And Samuel says, here I am, for you called me. And it happens three times. And finally, Eli says, he perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. When it comes, Eli is pretty beat down at this point. He, he's just gotten the word that that his whole family line of priests is over. Like he is, this is over. He, his, his, family of a, his family that has been abusing the people that have come to worship God, has, is finally going to be judged by God. God is finally going to put a stop to it. That's, that's chapter two, right before here. Eli knows that the judgment of God is coming. 
In fact, he's probably not real eager to hear the Lord's voice at this point. But in these this three times as as uh, Samuel is called by the Lord, by Yahweh, whenever it says the Lord in the Old Testament, it usually is the word Yahweh, the name of God, not just an amorphous God that is sort of out there that, you know, the modern conception of God is, is that God is a giant muffin up in the sky that everybody can sort of just nibble off of every time they want to, um, a benevolent presence, but never a real specific, um, just sort of an amorphous good feeling or something. Um, but the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that is speaking to Samuel, has a name, Yahweh. Um, that's his name. And he has revealed himself that way to these people. And so uh, this is a very personal thing, calling calling Samuel by his name. And Eli perceives that it is the Lord. It is Yahweh. Um, I think no matter how beat down we are by life, by how beat down we are by our own choices, no matter um, what way we've gone, even into ways that, even into places that Eli has gone, places of great alienation from the true and living God. Eli has been part of a corrupt system that has oppressed people. He is being judged for it. He's about to be judged for it. Um, in some ways, karma and law have caught up to Eli, and ju God's judgment is going to be poured out on him. But even, even though he is subject to this judgment, even though he has done really terrible and awful things and, and overlooked terrible and awful things done in his name, uh, God is still has a relationship with him. God still speaks sort of to him indirectly. God's presence is felt. And Eli still knows what it's like to hear the voice of God. I have found this in my journeys around the world and different communities of people that when you, they find out you're a priest or you're a chaplain or something, people automatically tell you that they're not religious if they're not. It's like an automatic thing, almost a, like a, a response, like, don't push that stuff on me. I don't believe any of it. But I've always found that when people kind of come at you strong up front with those sorts of objections, and I'm not going to push anything on them, um, I found I often find those are the people that have the most profound experiences of God that they share with me, maybe from a long time ago, but maybe from more recently. Often what people are saying when they tell us they really don't believe in God is that they don't believe in the God that they heard about when they were a kid or the God that they think that you and I believe in, the God that... Um, is cruel and indifferent to human suffering. Um, and what I found is that people have had experiences with the voice of God. They know what the voice of God sounds like in their life. It's just that the human institutions that they have participated in have made it very clear that, that, um, that the God that they know in their heart and they feel in their heart and they hear his voice, it, the institutions feel very alienating and very like it's almost a different God. And so they've fled those institutions. But in fact, they're still, they still know what the voice of God sounds like. And Eli is one of those people. And so he says, go back. And if he says, calls you again, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Yahweh. He tells Samuel to call God by his name, just the way God has called Samuel by his name. Eli invites Samuel into a relationship of mutuality with his creator, a relationship that's mutual, almost like equals. I mean, if you're going to wake me up in the middle of the night, 
and call me by my name, I'm going to call you back. <laughs> you know, it's like we're going to have a conversation at three in the morning. I get a little more agency in this than if you just call me during business hours. Um, it's I don't know. Maybe that's the that's the way he's looking at things. But he says to him, um, he gives him very clear direction. Finally, when God does speak to Samuel and he listens, um, he re 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 reinstates what God told Eli through the prophet from yesterday, from chapter two. He tells him that there is judgment coming and that Samuel will have a special calling and that he will have to, to, to not hide anything that he hears from people that God wants that message delivered to him. Um, he is calling him to be a prophet. He's calling him to speak the words of God to people that maybe maybe won't won't hear it. And so at the end of this chapter, it says he grew up. The Lord was with him and not, and let none of his words fall to the ground. That's a Hebrew idiomatic expression, to let your words fall to the ground. Um, we might say in English, um, he let none of his words be left on read or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> that, that everyone heard everything he said and listened to it. And nothing he said just sort of drifted off into the ether. Um, all of his emails were read. None of them were put in the spam folder. None were deleted. Everyone listened to what Samuel said. And this establishes him as a prophet. All Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, another Hebrew idiomatic expression to talk about the land of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, from the north to the south. Be like saying from L.A. to, to like uh, the song from New York to L.A. There's pride in every American heart. And I'm proud to stand up and say, I think that's the right lyrics. But um, that's another way of saying that. And he says he was a trustworthy prophet. Um, so this experience with God's voice, the experience of talking to God in the middle of the night, established him as a trustworthy source of information about God. And I think that's that's always true of people that have had spiritual experiences. If you've had an experience you can't really explain, you can't really quantify, you're not really sure what happened, um, chances are if it's an experience with God, like Samuel had, it'll lead to you being more trustworthy. It'll lead to you being more assured of what God is saying to the world. It'll lead to a greater reassurance that what you believe is actually true. Um, that's been my experience in my own experiences with God and other listening to other people's experience. Again, you don't have to have an experience with God to be a Christian. I think we want to make that really clear, um, that you don't have to have some hear some voice. You don't have to um, have an experience like Samuel to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. Jesus has already called you. He called you from his throne on the cross. He called you when he said, I thirst. And he, and he, and he shared his great thirst and hunger for, uh, for us to be part of his community. And then in his resurrection, he showed us the power of resurrection. And he invited his disciples into that. He said, here, touch my side, touch my hands, touch my feet. Jesus has already called you into a relationship with him. And, and so um, we don't need experiences to, to verify that. But every once in a while, God knows what we need. God knows everything we need. And sometimes God gives people experiences like this to reconfirm that, to show, to show that again. So if you have experiences, I'd love to hear about them um, as you have the time. So let me know. Um, I'd love to hear those stories. Just as Samuel, we only know this story because Samuel told us. He's purportedly the author of this book. 
And so, um, or at least the author of the beginning of this book about himself. And this is the way he told the story. Um, it's pretty, pretty cool how he told it. And we're thankful for him today.